Blog Talk Radio. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to fill that quota. And the way things are, I'll bet they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea or tomato juice, you'll see. No potato juice, cause the planters down in Santa's all say no, no, no. The politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined the great big $50 bill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. Like a percolator Her perfume was made right on the grill Why they could percolate the ocean in Brazil And when their ham and eggs need savor Coffee ketchup gives them flavor Coffee pickles way outsell the dill Why they put coffee in the coffee in Brazil No tea No tomato juice You'll see, no potato juice. The planters down in Santa's all say no, no, no. So you led to the local color, serving coffee with a crawler. Duncan doesn't take a lot of skill. They've got an awful lot of coffee, an awful lot of coffee. Man, they got a gang of coffee in Brazil. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Jory and the Coffee Psychic with your psychic connection right here at Blog Talk Radio. So, well, we have a very interesting show tonight. This is going to be so much fun. As you know, um, this is definitely a spiritual show where you guys can uh, call in, ask a psychic question, things like that. And I always love having amazing guests. Well, I have an amazing guest for you guys tonight. It's Lanny Waitsman. He's an author, he's a writer, uh, he's got several books published so far. And uh, so tonight's topic is going to be about you and your spiritual stories. You know, uh, are you going to put it in as facts? Will you make it fiction? You know, how are you going to, how do you want to present your material? I right now am writing my spiritual stories, uh, things that I've been going through for the last 40 years. Uh, I've got a book that's in the process of being written right now. And um, and Lanny and I have known each other for many, many years. 
Um, so I want to go ahead and introduce Lanny in just one quick second. But I want to tell you guys, you know this is the holiday season. And man, have I had so many things happening lately. There have been so many dead people I've been seeing. I've had so many seances. Oh, my God, you guys, it has been crazy. So, you know, uh, I go out to Lincoln, Nebraska every year and uh, do a lot of seances, do a lot of um, uh, house parties. I do them, of course, you guys know I do the psychic house parties all over the place. And um, so I travel just about anywhere. But we had, uh, during the Halloween seance that I had at my house on Halloween night, uh, one woman, she was, you know, almost off of her chair. She kept praying all day. She goes, Grandma, just give me a sign, you know, give me a sign. And uh, when it came her turn for part of the seance, for the spirit communication, all of these spaceships just started coming in. And all I kept seeing, spaceship after spaceship after spaceship. And I told her, I said, well, your grandmother's here, but she's surrounded by spaceships. And she says, she started laughing. She says, Jurianne, she goes, when my grandmother was alive, she kept telling us that the aliens would come and abduct her every night. And there were spaceships and everything. She goes, now she goes, um, she goes, I wasn't sure about this stuff before. She goes, but I know this is real. So anyway, I've got so many more stories, you guys. If you want to be on my free email newsletter list, please go to Coffee Psychic. Um, dot com coffeepsychic.com and there's a place that you can sign up I'm having a new website built right now I'm very excited about that uh, it'll be uh, able to maneuver around a little more easily uh, but the pictures are still adorable as you guys know so anyway <laughs> let's welcome Lanny Waitsman to the show and let's see what what great things Lanny can tell you about because I'm telling you this guy is an amazing writer and I've known I've known Lanny for a while, and uh, and I'm sure you guys are going to love him as much as I love Lanny too. So, Lanny, are you there? I am here. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks. You bet. So, you now um, have been a writer, what probably your whole life? Did you come out with a pencil in your hand or? <laughs> Not I mean, when quite. Do you... <laughs> uh, I, I think the first time I started writing, I was in high school. Okay. And uh, I I had an idea for a story, and I uh-huh. sat down and I started writing. Oh, cool. Now, yeah. Now, here's the oh, thing I okay. found out real quickly, which is um, I would start writing and then I'd have to stop for one reason or another, and I'd okay. come back to it sometime later, and I'd look at what I was written, what I'd written, and I would have absolutely no idea where I was going with it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so. And how and how was that for you though? So when that happened, like how was that? Was it like? Um, were you uh, disturbed by it, perturbed by it? Were you intrigued by it? I mean, should people just start writing and, and not stop? Or how did it well, leave you at I, that time when you weren't sure where you were going with this story, open-ended? Um, I don't really know for sure how other people write. You know, I can only speak about how I write. But it was uh-huh. really annoying because it's like, oh, this is a cool idea, but where was I going with it? 
And it took me years to figure out that when I had a cool idea, it was good, but Mm -hmm. I needed to actually figure out what the whole story was before I started writing it. Otherwise, I don't even know how it's going to end. Oh. (laughs) And that doesn't work. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, I'll tell you just very briefly for myself, I was in college, and it was an English class for me. Uh, Mrs. Yacker over at Daly College. If any of you guys were at Daly College and had Mrs. Yacker, she was an amazing English teacher. And I just handed in a paper one day, and she was like, uh, she's like, uh, you know, she goes, Joanne, she goes, um, I'd like you to take the writing class. And uh, oh, the creative writing class. And I said, okay, thank you. And I went back to my, and I got like an A plus or double A. I don't know what it was really a good paper I got. And, uh, and then the next day she asked me, she goes, did you sign up for the writing class yet? And I said, uh, no, I didn't. And I was a you know, divorcee, single mother of three at the time. So I was really busy trying to get my, uh, my degree and stuff. And um, so a week later, she asks me, and I said, no, ma'am. Within a couple of days, she asked me again, and she goes, uh, come with me, please. And she literally walked me down to the registrar's office and had me sign up. And I'm, going like, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And I said, I'll take this class for five minutes, and if, it does, if I don't like it, I'm quitting. And I'm telling you guys, within about three minutes, I was sunk. It was like, oh. Oh, my God, are you kidding me? It was so amazing. So, again, you know, the thing that brings me um, with you, I'm I'm definitely in love with writing, and I've written myself, but I just haven't – it's been over the years, but I haven't published anything. So um, you are very inspirational to me. You're a wonderful writer. When we've gone over some of your stories, and I want to ask you so much more also, but when we've gone over some of your stories – um, one of the stories that you have uh, shared is this um, Takama. Let me see. Hang on a second. Takama. And um, the story is so fascinating. And the funny part is it sounds like with everything you're writing that you've got a spiritual background like I do. And I don't think – you have the same background that I do, but it's, you know, for our listeners, there are so many things that we've experienced, and do some people, uh, for me, that's why I'm writing my book, because I want people not to be afraid of all of these experiences, like I was 40 years ago, and a lot of people are quite frightened of seeing the dead, or, um, you know, there's a ghost, or somebody's talking to you, and it's, you know, but the body's not there, but the voice is clearly speaking to you. You know, your dead relatives are showing up. I don't want people to be afraid. So you have so many stories that you've written, and some of them are very, uh, like, sci-fi. Some of them are, are very uh, spiritually grounded in the background. Um, so I was just hoping that you could explain to uh, our listening audience uh, maybe how some of this comes to you, you know, does it just come to you? Maybe what can they do with their writing? Like, what are your thoughts on that, Lanny? Well, um, I can tell you how it all started. Um, Please. My my aunt, my dad's sister, um, was another science fiction nut like I was. And she okay. worked 
she worked with a library. And what the library used to do is when um, a book got too old or something, I, I, I don't know, I still don't know what their, uh, you know, what their, what their, um, uh, you know, how they made the decisions, but they would, they would do what they call remainder a book, which mm-hmm. means usually these were paperbacks. And what they would do is they would just rip off the front cover. Now, my aunt knew how much I liked to read science fiction because, you know, she and my dad were both into science fiction and got us started. So she would give me these books, these remaindered books. Well, I found a book. Of course, now I don't remember if she actually sent it to me or I found it in the bookstore, but it was a book called Cave of the Ancients by T. Lobsang Rampa. Okay. And... In the book, uh, this is a guy who professes to be a Tibetan monk, and he talked about things like astral travel and telepathy and accessing wow. the Akashic records and all okay. kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was I'm reading it, and it's just like it like struck a chord in me. Okay. And then my first real experience is um, we had moved from the city out to the suburbs, and uh, my older brother got his own room, lucky guy. I still had to share with my younger brother. Uh, <laughs> but one night during high school, um, we were in his bedroom, and he was laying on the bed, and I was laying on the floor, and we were listening to music. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I found myself standing up, which was very strange because I usually remember when I stand up. Wow. But I don't remember. I was like, all of a sudden, I was a vertical. And I looked down. And I could see my feet, and I could see my legs, and I kept looking until I got to my chest. And before, just before I could see my face, bang, all of a sudden, I'm back on the floor staring up, eyes wide open, going, what <laughs> in the world was that? Oh, my God, that's amazing. It only took me a couple of seconds to to make the connection back to Cave of the Ancients when he starts talking about astral traveling. I said, oh, my God, I just stepped out of my body. That was my astral body looking down at my physical body. Wow. That's amazing. And the interesting thing is I wasn't scared. It was just like, whoa, that was cool. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Wow. So, you know, wow. so, so that's the kind of, that was kind of what got me, you know, real interested in, in spirituality and things like, you know, astral travel and, you know, they, they even talked about astral healing while you're in your astral body. And it's wow. like, really? Wow. So that leads into awesome. story number two, which was my first year of college. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a bunch of people and telling them a lot of this stuff. And I said, you know, it turns out it is possible to heal somebody when you're astral traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this one gal comes up to me after after I'm done holding court or whatever you wanted to call it. And uh, she goes, you know, I was very interested in what you had to say. My mother has been having medical problems. I don't 
at this point, I, you know, that was this was 1969. Yes, I'm an old guy. <laughs> um, so I don't remember what she told me, but it's like, you know, would you be willing to give it a try? And I said, sure, why not? Okay. So um, I prepared myself and I went to bed. You know, I did like a, you know, got into a meditative state. And luckily for all concerned, I've got a very visual memory. I mean, and a visual imagination. I really do see stuff I had. And so it's like, okay, so here I am astral traveling. How am I going to find this woman's mother? Wow. And it's like, she told me she was in Cleveland. And I know this woman was um, staying in one of the dorms. So I said, okay. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I have a sense of what kind of person she is. So I'm going to let my astral body be drawn to this woman and kind of get a sense of her, I don't know what you'd call it. I, I thought of it as her vibe. Okay. And... And, you know, so I did that, and I, you know, I got a sense of something, and then I said, okay. So then I had my astral body travel up far enough that I could actually astrally see the, you know, the Midwest. And I knew approximately where Cleveland was, so I kind of, I still don't know how I did a lot of this stuff. I just did it. Um, I tuned to her vibrations and I try. I let myself be drawn to a set of similar vibrations. Okay. And I found myself by some woman's bedside. So I did. Uh, I did the astral healing. Now this. Um, <laughs> some of this actually made it into my first novel, which is a fantasy novel. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah, basically what I did was. You know, like look at the aura and anything that was that looked muddy or not quite the right color or something, I would hold mm-hmm. my hands out and just try to influence it so that the color was was clear and vibrant. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I will freely admit that as far as I can tell, all I did was have a really nice visual visualization, you know, and then fall asleep. What makes it interesting is I was talking to the same lady a couple of weeks later, Mm -hmm. and she told me that the day after I, you know, like the next day after I had tried this, she Mm -hmm. had called her mom to talk to her, and her mom said she woke up feeling a whole lot better. Wow. Isn't Isn't that amazing? That's what I said. (laughs) <laughs> yes, totally, totally. So you know, so um, I I have no I have no like physical proof or anything, but right. Given you know, I mean, given everything I've just told you, I think you agree with me. Whatever I did worked. <laughs> yes, totally, totally. Well, you know, I'm a Reiki master healer teacher, and there's what's called mm. uh, remote healing and things like that. And I think what you yep. have just uh, shared with our listeners is that uh, early on, 
you know, that was probably even way before. I don't even know if you uh, know about Reiki healing and stuff, but that would have been something that um, is just part of, I think, the universal uh, way. Like, you, I don't know if you read it in the books or, or what, but, you know, here this lady was sharing it with you, and you, with your openness and open-mindedness, just said, let's do this thing. And there you were. Yeah. So that was a, that was was. a healing through astral projection, yeah. which is really great. So yes. um, now I know we have, we've got a lot of callers on here, and I want to invite our callers um, to, um, if they have a, a question for you, is it okay that they ask you a question? Or if you guys want to tell us about any spiritual uh, experience that you've had, of course, you know, you can ask me a quick question. Uh, but, Lanny, are you ready to take a, a couple of calls? Sure. Okay. All right, let's see. Let's see who we have here. All right, you guys, and we'll try to make sure that we can get to every caller. And please make sure also that um, uh, that if you have a question for Lanny or you have a spiritual story, please let us know. Hello, caller. Who is this and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Yvonne from California. Hi, Yvonne. So do you have a spiritual story, something that happened? Are you interested in writing? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, go ahead. My question is, I'm looking to move, and I'm wondering, um, do you see me moving soon? If so, when? All right, let me go ahead, and I will pick that up for you, and I want to say thank you for your question. And um, it does look like, yes, you will be moving. Now I hear the number two, so I'm not sure if you're going to be moving within like a a two-month period. Uh, I don't think it's going to be two weeks, but I do get the number two. And so uh, I'd even look for the number two in the address that you'll be moving to. That's what I'd be looking for. All right, so thank you for that call. So, um, so Lanny, do you do you have a process in which you go through because your stories, again, are very, very, uh, very, very metaphysical. Like I'm uh, uh, working on uh, nonfiction. You work with fiction. Do you have a process in which you go go through? Because again, everything that you really write about that I've heard so far. Is very metaphysical, um, and I just love it. So, do you have any ideas for our listeners on how they can take some of their experiences and start writing? Um, like, well, what would you think that state of meditation or? Yeah, um, in some ways, that's a hard one to answer because, you know, again, I can only speak from personal experience. The, for me, the important thing, regardless of whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, mm-hmm. you want to know exactly what it is you want to write about. You okay. got to know how it starts and you got to know how it ends. Okay. Because if you don't know how it ends, then, you know, it's like, well, where am I going with this, and how do I get from point A to point Z? Okay, so, okay. So, like, uh, the body? My process, mm-hmm. yeah, 
my process is I idea, and when I start, I, I I don't do outlines the way we did in high school. I do like a synopsis, so it's just like okay. a very short version of the story, where I write out the whole arc of the story. Um, who's you know what's the story about? How does it begin? How does it end? Who's the main character? What's he going to go through? You know, mm-hmm. and even if you're writing nonfiction, you could still ask these these questions, especially if it's a personal story. You know, what kind of person am I? Where where am I going to end this this you know Got this it. book? And it kind of goes back to the know, who, what, where, when, when, and why questions, right? Who, what, where, when, exactly. and why? Exactly. Got yes. it. And this okay. is the point, the synopsis is the point where, you know, especially since I write science fiction, that's where I start making up people names and place names and figuring out where is the story going to take place and like that. Um, I'm actually working on a new, uh, I just started a new story. November is National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. and. Okay. The challenge is to write a 50,000 novel in 30 days. Wow, and I had 30 this idea, days. 30 days. Wow. And I had this idea about Martians, you know, like actual alien Martian natives living on Mars. Okay. And what happens when the humans run into them and vice versa? Oh, so I I sat down uh, uh, Tuesday and looked at the notes that I'd written and started adding to the notes. And then yesterday I added some more to the notes and wrote the the first 50-some words. And today I wrote about another 530 words. Um, Okay. But like I say, the, the important thing is to know what it is you're writing about, where you want to start, and where do you want to end. Okay. And then the rest of it is, <laughs> I always say the rest of it is just filling in the details. Well, there's no just about it, because filling right. in the details is where the story happens. And even if you're writing, again, even if you're writing nonfiction, it's like you want to write it in such a way as to keep the reader's interest why are you writing this? Why is it so important to you? Convey the emotions that you feel, you know, mm-hmm. like you're writing about your experience. Write out the emotions. Mm-hmm. How, how did it feel the first time you, you know, saw somebody who was dead? Were you frightened? Were you interested? Were you, you know, what? Because mm-hmm. uh, one mm-hmm. of the things I've, I keep getting feedback on is I need to put more emotion in. How was that person feeling when that thing happens to them so that's that's my that's my development my developmental stage at the moment well here and here it is too you guys here's lanny waitsman who is a a published author and uh so lanny i want to ask you um what are some of the names of your books and people can find them where and if they want to contact Um, you on Amazon, if you type in Lanny Waitsman, and I'll spell it for you just to make sure, it's L-A-N-N-Y, W-A-I-T-S-M-A-N. And if you go to Amazon and type it in, you'll actually see two books. 
Blade okay. Gavat is the fantasy I was talking about. Okay. And um, for me, there's two major portions of the book. Um, you know, both both for the main characters and writing them was a challenge. Uh, the second novel um, is called Terraconos, and that one is hard science fiction. So there's a lot of science in it. And mm-hmm. But again, it's like here's a young man who's got his first position of, real, of really major responsibility, and he's given a mission. Okay. You know, and he's told that it might take as long as two years. So what is it he's doing? Where is it he's going? What will he mm-hmm. discover, and how will it affect him? Okay, okay. And that's, those right. are the questions that I ask myself. Now, the fantasy novel called Blade Gavat. Uh, mm-hmm. Gavat, like, um, if, if you know the, uh, uh, if you know Carly Simon's You're So Vain, she's yes. got one line where she says, uh, you had one eye in the mirror as you watched yourself Gavat. And the Gavat is a medieval French dance. And it's spelled oh, G-A-V. Oh, 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 okay. O T T E. Okay. And then um, I'll give you I'll give you the real quick. Uh, the main character is a guy named Charles Kenton. He is a blade dancer. What's a blade dancer, you ask? Well, mm-hmm. think of the Musketeers, but without muskets. So okay. he's a member of the a group of the elite swordsmen of his country. All right. And. The other book, Terraconos, is um, a hard science fiction novel, and the main character has just been promoted to captaincy. And so uh, somebody has discovered a very strange object way, way far out in space. And so his job is to take this faster-than-light cruiser, uh, scout cruiser, and mm-hmm. head out with his crew of about 300 people and go to this thing and find out what it is. Okay. And I won't tell you anymore because <laughs> in case Please, anybody I'm wants go, to read it. Spoilers alert. It spoilers alert. So, I, so <laughs> this is what I want to say. Um, we're actually in a, a writer's group together, you and I. And there are some of the stories yep. that you have that are like cliffhangers. And... Um, I don't know if you're going to publish like some of these stories as like little mini books or if you're going to put them in a book that has several uh, little ones in together. But um, I know you're a poet. Uh, I'm a poet. We're both writers. Say it again. I said it's funny you should mention that because um, I do have an anthology of – short stories, well, some of them are a little bit longer than a short story, but uh, an anthology of stories that's going to be coming out sometime relatively soon. (laughs) I don't don't have a timeline for it yet. I keep saying this year, and it keeps on happening this year, but I'm virtually certain it will happen in 2023. Yeah, that's when I'm hoping to get my book published also. You guys, to hear yep. some of Lanny's writing, it's it's really like the anticipation of what's next, what's going on. Um, one of the stories, I believe Takama is one of my favorite characters, that every time 
I'd listen to the story. I'm sitting here waiting and waiting, and uh, this character's got this special uh, spiritual cat. Um, anyway, it's just so, uh, your writing is amazing, and again, for all of you guys out here that have been having these beautiful spiritual experiences, and I know we'll go to a couple of calls in a second here, but when you take these spiritual experiences, I tell people all the time, just like this last week for me, there was so much that I had going on during these house parties and these seances, so much so that even my dead mother showed up in the room, and I have not seen my dead mother in years. I had another one of my dead girlfriends literally come in and sit on top of my friend that was there taking notes when I was doing psychic readings. And I'm going like, oh, my God, you guys are not going to believe who's in the room with us, uh, where, I can, where I could physically see her entire body sitting in the room. It was, it was just astounding. So, the, so these are some of the things that when you guys are experiencing uh, certain psychic experiences, you know, put it in your calendar if you're not ready. Some people are saying, you know, Jurianne, I'm not, you know, I'm seeing things out of the corner of my eye. I'm not sure if that's it. You know, I I thought I saw somebody. My dead grandmother come in my, came in my dreams. Um, write it down. This has everything to do with your psychic abilities expanding. You know, again, you can hear uh, Lanny's uh, early development around his books, where where he was literally having some amazing experiences that has uh, developed his writing style. And uh, all of you guys that are having any experiences at all, whether it's in your sleep, you know, dead people are talking to you, you know, you're finding feathers, from, you're seeing the cardinals. I mean, whatever it is, you know, write it down. Lanny, are you ready to take another call? Let's see if somebody's got a question for either you or I. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Let's see who we have, on, who we have online here. Hi, caller. Who is this and where are you calling from? Uh, hello, is this me? It is you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So I'm not really what quite you? sure what kind of uh, questions are being, um, you know, invited tonight. Yes, yes, yes. Well, what's your name? Let's start there. Okay, Allison. Okay, Allison, where are you from? Well, I live in Florida now. All right, Florida, very good. Okay. So I have you had psychic experiences? Have you wanted to write anything out yourself, or do you just want to ask a psychic question? I'm sorry, can you repeat the first question, please? Yes, ma'am. Have you had psychic experiences that you're hoping to learn how to become a writer with and um, no. express that out? No. Okay, very good. Okay, so what, what question do you have tonight? You mean it, does it need to be within the context of writing, or can it be? No, ma'am. It can be anything. Anything in general, okay. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of clarify a little bit, I don't have any questions, but I've had. I'm very Piscean, so I I was born psychic, and I've done a lot of writing in my lifetime. So, but I don't have any questions around that. Uh, the question that right. concerns me is I. Um, um, the house. The house that I moved to a year and a half ago, um, from across the country, um, is now up for sale. 
and that means that I will probably almost certainly need to vacate, but I cannot yes. afford the rents in this area. Uh-huh. And I have moved about 64 times in my life, and I'm okay. 65. There you go. And I just um, am uh, trying to keep it together right now because I have to give up a home I really love. So I think uh, if I'm hearing it correctly, you're asking me, are you going to find another place that you'll be satisfied with? Is that correct? I think, yeah. Yeah, I have, I'm 65, almost 66, so I have, you know, a number of conditions. It's not like when you're 22 and you can sleep on a couch at somebody else's home. <laughs> of course, of course. All right. So let me just take and a I'm look reti- here. Oh, and by the way. Oops. Okay, hang on one second. There we go. Hang on one second. Okay, go ahead. I'm also retired on a really fixed, fixed. P. Carrie Ellison. Okay. All right. Now, again, I'm not sure if you're going to want to room with anybody, um, but when I feel the what you're going through right now, it does feel like you are going to be able to find um, a satisfying um, location in which you can live, but it feels like, you might not be completely satisfied with it, and it feels like you're going to still uh, continue looking for another area. And you actually might even move further away from the area that you're in to find something a little more affordable. That's what I'm getting. So even if it's uh, more than one move right now, you may be doing a move to a place because once they do have to uh, sell or you have to vacate, uh, then it feels like you're going to find a place, but then you're going to look to find another place also. So don't give up. You know, you know, just stay very focused. This is when I tell people, please use the book, the techniques that are in the secret, and start visualizing that you're finding this the most amazing, satisfying house, whether it's a house for rent, a condo, an apartment, Again, it feels like you're going to find a place, and then you might move on to another place that, you're going to be, uh, that will be more suitable for you. All right. All right. Good luck, Allison. Thank you for your call. Okay. All right. So, Manny, let's take one more call here real quick. Okay. Hello, caller. Who is this, and where are you calling from? Hi, um, Lisa in Arizona. Hey, welcome to the show, Lisa. What's on your mind? I just had a question about my 38-year-old son. Do you see us talking again? He is um, not talking really with me. Okay, and his first name? Tyler. Okay. And, um, yeah, he he does feel like he's... Um, he does feel like he's upset. He kind of, I know this doesn't make, I don't know if this makes sense or not. He, find, he seems a little stuffy to me, like a stuffed, an old stuffed shirt kind of personality at this point. And he feels, uh, it kind of feels like he's a little self-righteous, but I don't think he really has all the facts. And um, so I think it's going to take a little bit for him to um, really come around so I would still I would still work on communicating with him 
and uh, leaving some messages and just, again, with the book The Secret, you can actually visualize that you have a happy, healthy relationship with him. And then and just keep visualizing this and asking Mother Mary and God to come in and help heal this relationship. That's That's where I'd be coming from right now. So just like Lanny said earlier in the show, if you were listening to the show, Lanny had learned a technique a long time ago. Some woman suggested that her mother was sick, and um, they had decided to try this astral projection, which it was more kind of in a sleep state or when you're resting that you visualize that you go over to this person and you do a healing on them. But you can also do that with communicating with them while they're sleeping and ask them to please tell you what's wrong. That's another technique that is out there. You want to make sure that this person is at rest, and then you kind of astral project or visualize that you're talking to them and keep asking them, what did I do wrong? How did I hurt your feelings? Let them talk to you and then apologize. Just say, I'm very sorry that I hurt your feelings. And I would keep doing that until you actually see some sort of energy shift. So, because you can get good results with that. And again, that's a form of healing as well through astral projection or prayer at night or however you want to call that. So, Lisa, give us a call back and let us know how that works. Good luck. Thank you for the call. Okay. All right, Lanny. All right. So, yes. yes. So, what what are some of the, um, you've, you know, you've been writing for a long time, and this is a process that you're very dedicated to. So um, what's like one of the favorite stories that you can say that you've written um, that, you know, or, or have there been any weird, other weird experiences that you've had around your writing career? Um, <laughs> well, interestingly enough, the story that I wrote, wrote most recently that I really enjoyed writing and um, mm-hmm. and had a lot of fun with and mm-hmm. used some of my ideas in um, mm-hmm. is that same story you like. Uh, it's now being called The Gama's Quest because yeah. it's, uh, the, just so your readers know, it's a basic idea is this is Earth... Um, thousands and thousands of years ago before recorded history. And it's mm-hmm. the story of the young man who becomes um, Earth's first sorcerer. Wow. And uh, uh, in, his, in his tribe, uh, there's the, they have a tradition that when you become 13, you go on a vision quest to find your spirit animal. And Tagama does this, but what he actually finds is it's not only his spirit animal, but it's actually a physical animal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which turns out to be very unusual, although later he finds out it's not quite as unusual as he thinks. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I I really enjoyed writing that one because it's like, Oh wow! What kind of what kind of magic power does he have? You know, how does his how does his magic work? 
And I had mm-hmm. to think of that. I'm, you know, I'm constantly coming up with new ideas for different systems of magic and how they would work. And wow. the thing I have to remember is don't make them too powerful. They've got to be able to experience difficulties. Oh, <laughs> otherwise, okay. there's no growth. Right. So that's almost like um, it's like in every story. What is it? Protagonist, antagonist, um, and then what's the? Um, you know, you've got the hero. You've got the uh, the challenge. You know, stuff like yep. this. What are they learning? So I I got yep. you. I got you on that. Uh, there have been so many sh- shows and um, and books that I've written and or read in the past, and um, and it's very interesting to um, see the amazing writers that are out there. You're an amazing writer. You've got uh, you've got a lot of uh, great stories that are out there. Um, do you happen to have that one piece? About that little boy with his father that has a pro that um, oh, gosh what happened? Savior. <laughs> Do you have that yep. one that you would be willing to? I think we have a few minutes that you could actually read that one to our listeners. Is that something you'd be willing to do? Um, yeah, I can pull that one up. Yeah, uh, because this just is a moment to find it. Yeah, and and you know, you guys. Um, Writing is another amazing form of, you know, sometimes self-healing. You have people that love to blog. How many blogs are out here that so many people are following each other's blogs? Because, uh, and it's not just that they've got something really powerful to say, uh, but as one of our other listeners on uh, that called us tonight, she's a writer, uh, and she's had some amazing experiences. You can hear it in her communication. Um, so where, you know, what would you want to use your writing for? You know, definitely self-expression. There are healing books out there. There are, um, entertainment books out there. There's informational books out there. What kind of writer are you? And, um, I know that I have been a poet I've got like over 150 poems, and I've never, well, I can't say. I was published in my college magazine, as a matter of fact. And I used to go to public poetry slams and uh, and and read the poetry. I actually was at an event the other night, and this one poet came up. And, and I'm going to tell you guys something, quite honestly. During the entertainment, there were a lot of musicians, and of course, I did my psychic readings at this event, and when this poet was on stage, you could have heard a pin drop. I'm not kidding you. All people stopped speaking. Everybody stopped and listened. It was amazing. And if I could find this woman, I would like to have her on the show because it was such a powerful piece that she read. It was jaw-dropping, and there was a message behind it. So um, so I just want to share that. You guys, please don't hold back on your writing. 
you know, Lanny, Lanny's writing is very inspirational. It's very, uh, again, you know, cliffhanging. It's like, okay, wait, what's happening next? Um, so, Lanny, do you have that one piece that you do have that you can share with our listeners? I do. All right. We're ready. Okay. I called this one Savior. When I was just a small child, I had a strange experience. My dad took me on a hike in a forest preserve about 10 miles from my house. The path was rough, and the underbrush was thick with flowers popping popping their heads up between the bushes. The trees were back a bit from the path, making me wonder if they had been purposely planted that way. We came to a small bubbling stream, not too deep, and waded across it. Just as we reached the other side, Dad slipped. He landed on the shore, hitting his head on a rock. After a moment, I saw he wasn't moving. I couldn't move myself for a second, unsure what to do. I shook him, crying and calling his name when he didn't wake. I remembered once when my mom fell and Dad had splashed water on her face to wake her up. So I tried so I tried to splash him with water from the stream, but it didn't help. I began to run up the path, crying and shouting for help. I had just passed the point where I couldn't see Dad anymore when a man appeared on the path ahead of me. I stopped suddenly, confused, because he had appeared from nowhere. He was taller than my dad, with black hair and gray eyes like mine. But unlike me, his nose was crooked. Whoa, he said, kneeling down to look me eye to eye. What's the matter? I burst into tears and couldn't catch my breath to speak. The man didn't speak or try to hug me. He just waited, holding my shoulders until I could speak. My dad, I said, talking through his sobs. He fell as we crossed the brook and and hit his head, and now he won't wake up. I splashed cold water on his face, but he didn't wake up. The man stood, concern showing on his face. Take me to him, he said, holding out his right hand. I took it and began to lead him back to where Dad lay. He was still there, lying on his back with his eyes closed and looking. The man knelt down to examine him. I could see the bruise on Dad's forehead where he'd hit it on the rock. For the first time, I could see a dent in his head, and I burst into a fresh set of tears. The man reached into a pocket and pulled out a cell phone. But instead of calling anyone, he used his sleeve to wipe it clean, then held it under Dad's nose. It was years later that I understood he was checking to see if Dad was still breathing. He shook his head and put it away, saying, he's not breathing. The man straddled Dad, put both hands on his chest, and began to push in an odd rhythm. Push, push, push. And every now and then he'd stop and do something that looked like he was kissing Dad. I couldn't figure out why he pinched Dad's nose when he did that. He did this many times. Even now I don't know. Remember, don't remember how many. Finally, he sat back and looked at me. He's not responding. I was out of tears at this point and only and could only say, "Can't you do anything?" He looked at me, sympathy in his eyes, and reached out to put a hand on my shoulder. That depends on you. Suddenly, I realized that his lips weren't moving, and I heard him clearly. I didn't question the oddness. I was too worried about Dad. I listened as he spoke. 
Do you love your father? Somehow I knew this was a very serious question. I looked him straight in the eyes and with all the seriousness I could muster said, yes, I'd do anything for him. He nodded. Even if it might cost your life? I didn't even pause. Yes. He nodded again, a small smile appearing on his face and pride joining the sympathy in his eyes. Then we will do our best to help him. Here's what you must do. I'm going to put one hand on your head and the other on his. No matter what you see or feel, call to him, thinking only of how much you love him and why. Can you do that? I just nodded. He had me laid down next to Dad, my head next to Dad's, and then sat behind us where I couldn't see him. I took Dad's hand, wondering why it seemed cool. I felt the man's hand on my forehead. Then he said, call him, not out loud, but in your head. Think of all the ways you love him and call him. I closed my eyes instinctively and called to him in my my head. Dad, where are you? Come back. As I called, I thought of all the things he was to me. His kindness, even when he was angry with me. His delight, and mine, as he would pick me up and toss me into the air, catching me in his strong arms. His laughter when I did something really silly. The light in his eyes as he kissed my head goodnight. Dad, he kept calling. I seemed to be in a gray space. I couldn't see anything, but somehow I knew where my father was. But as I moved in that direction, it became harder and harder to move, although I wasn't walking. I kept calling Dad and thinking of how much I loved him. I thought about how he always felt warm. Often on winter days when I was cold, I would sit next to him on the couch while he watched sports and just soak up the warmth that seemed to radiate from him like the old space heater we had in the basement. Sometimes I'd even lay on his lap to get warm. But now it was getting harder to move. It felt like I was being stretched out like a rubber band while also walking through thick mud that was getting deeper and thicker. Dad, I called again desperately. This time I thought I heard him call my name. Glenn? Dad, come here. Follow my voice. I kept calling and pushing forward, even though I was almost at a standstill. I kept calling, and every time I did, his response seemed to get stronger. Suddenly, his face appeared in the fog. He looked pale and confused. Where are we? What happened? You fell and hit your head, and you wouldn't wake up. A man found me and was helping us. He sent me to find you. I'm not sure what to do now. Am I dead? I don't know, I wanted to burst into tears again. I hope not. I just want us to go back home. When I said that, I felt a tugging that slowly grew stronger. Hoping I was doing the right thing, I took Dad's hand and followed the tugging. It got easier to move, but I was getting more and more tired. I wanted to stop, but the tugging grew stronger. Finally, as I was about to give up and stop, I felt something like being woken from a dream of falling, and my eyes flew open to see the man leaning over me and smiling. Good work, I heard his voice in my head. Help will be here soon. 
I turned my head and saw Dad's eyes open also. Someday you will do the same thing for someone, the strange man said. Remember this day. Thank you, I said, then realized there was no one there except Dad and me. Who are you talking to, Dad asked. The man, the one who found me and helped you, I replied. But there was no one there. As Dad opened his mouth to talk to me, we heard voices and laughter coming from back across the brook. Three men appeared, all wearing backpacks. I recognized one of them as a friend of my dad's. Dad did, too, and called out, Harry! They saw us and waved. Dad tried to get up, but didn't have the strength. He began to collapse, but I caught his head before it hit the ground again. At that, the laughter stopped, and the men began to hurry. As they crossed the brook, I said, be careful. Dad slipped on a rock and hurt his head. They nodded and crossed carefully. Still, one of the men slipped, but was able to catch his balance. Arriving, Barry knelt down and examined Dad's head where it hit the ground. As he did, one of the other men pulled out a cell phone and called for an ambulance. How do you feel, Dad? Barry asked. Like I hit my head, Dad told him. But I'm too weak to stand. Can you help me? Barry shook his head. You're lucky to be alive. By the bump on your head, you should have died, he told my dad. Dad looked at me. I think I was close, he replied. But Glenn and the mysterious stranger saved me. What stranger, Barry asked, after instructing his buddies to form a stretcher from a couple of nearby saplings and some vines they were able to find and cut. I told them what had happened. Shaking their heads, we moved off in the same direction I'd run before I met the men. We were able to see footsteps in the loose dirt, but just as we reached the place that I'd met the man, the footprints just ended. We looked all around, but couldn't find the footsteps of anyone coming from further up the path. Giving up, we continued on until we reached the end of the trail, where the ambulance was waiting to take Dad to the hospital. Mom met us there, crying tears of joy that he was all right. They told me Dad had hurt his head badly and that he would need to rest for at least three days, perhaps a whole week. I told them about the man, how he'd helped me save Dad, but no one believed me, especially since no trace of the man had been found. Before we left the hospital, Dad pulled me close, kissed my black hair, and looked into, my, into the gray eyes that I'd gotten from Mom and whispered, My Savior. Fifty years later, I had learned many things about the body, mind, and spirit. Over the years, my nose had been broken once and set badly, leaving it crooked. I was making a living giving spiritual advice to those who needed and wanted it. After my dad passed many years later, the memory of the man had faded until one night I had a dream. I was walking down an oddly familiar path when I saw a young boy running toward me. When I saw his black hair and gray eyes, I remembered everything. I realized I was both the boy and the man. I spoke to my younger self telepathically. When we reached Dad, I had young Glenn lay, down, lay next to him and put one hand on each of their heads and visualized a silver-blue cord connecting them to their bodies and another one, another blue one, connecting them to each other. 
As time passed, I could see the cords thinning and becoming more translucent, almost transparent. I began to worry. What if it didn't work out? But it had to. My conviction kept me grounded, and everything happened as I remembered. It took about two hours before my younger self and my father woke, and I found myself repeating the same exact words of the stranger of the stranger. When I said, remember this day, I woke up and I smiled. Wow. That, that was just amazing. And, and again, Lainey, um, I can't believe that our, our whole hour has come to a close right now. Um, just, just, the, just the fact that you're writing, you know, um, that how that comes to you and, you know, there are some amazing writers. You're an amazing writer. I know that um, there's a, if people want to get in touch with you or if they want to take any writing classes with you, how can they contact you? Because I know you, you may be putting a class together in the future at some point. Um, again, they can find your books on Amazon. And what would they put mm-hmm. in? Lanny Waitsman, correct? Yep. Yes. Or you could and, just type in Blade Gavat. That would do the same thing. Okay, and do you have and, an email um, if they want to reach you? Yes. Uh, you can reach me at LannyW51. That's L-A-N-N-Y-W-5-1, the numbers, at yahoo.com. And uh, if you do write me, please remember to mention this this radio show so I'll know where you heard me from and that you're not some kind of spammer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. All right. Lanny, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my God. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, again, um, we look forward, if you want to join us again at a later time, would love to have you join back on. And um, everyone, thank you so much for joining in tonight. God, God bless you all. And remember, you can see me here again next Thursday, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. This is your psychic connection with Jory and the Coffee Psychic. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Lanny. Thank you. Bye. Bye.